The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What's happening this week on your favorite soap opera? It's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, and recaps. Now, here's Dan. Hey, soap fans. Welcome to a very special edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and today we're remembering two daytime drama series that are now no longer with us. Coming up in just a few minutes, the wonderful Tina Sloan will be sharing memories of her time on Guiding Light and sharing her thoughts on an issue that most women, and dare I say men, will eventually have to come to terms with, getting older. Then in the second half of this week's show, we'll be taking a look back at 54 years of As the World Turns. I'll be joined by SoapCentral.com's Two Scoops columnists for As the World Turns, Jennifer Biller and Reggie Jackson, and we'll be taking your calls and sharing some of our favorite memories from the fictional town of Oakdale, Illinois. Now, today isn't just the day where we bid farewell to As the World Turns, but we're just a day shy of the one-year anniversary of the broadcast of Guiding Light's final episode. I know that many of you listening are still mourning the loss of your favorite Springfield residents, and today we're going to share memories and celebrate two shows that have meant so much to so many people. And while there will no longer be any new episodes of these two shows, this isn't goodbye. Both As the World Turns and Guiding Light live on on YouTube, in recaps on SoapCentral.com, and certainly in all of our memories. After all, so many people find that the fictional characters we see on our television screens five days a week are almost like a second family. So it seems fitting that my first guest is here today to chat with us. It's a bit of timing that wasn't planned, but somehow I guess the universe makes everything work out, so I'm glad to be able to do today's show. Tina Sloan is best known to daytime viewers for the 26 years she spent as Lillian Rains on Guiding Light. And before that, she appeared on Another World, Search for Tomorrow, and Somerset. This week, she released her very first book, the autobiographical Changing Shoes, Getting Older, Not Old, with Style, Humor, and Grace. And I'm quite pleased that she's agreed to grace us with her presence today. Tina, welcome to Soap Central Live. Dan? Yes. Hey, Tina. Oh. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here, and you're right. I mean, when, I remember when they told me my book was going to come out on the date it's coming out, I just almost burst into tears because of the serendipitousness of, you know, it coming out the day that I literally was changing shoes into another life. Does it feel to you like it's been a year since Guiding Light went off the air? In some ways, I think about it, you know, I, I wear a piece of Lillian's clothing almost every day, usually a pair of earrings or, hmm. you know, they gave us all our wardrobe from, from our characters or we were able to take what we wanted. So I usually have a pair of her shoes on or I have on it some earrings or something. So I, and interestingly, have not completely let her go, obviously. And my book is full of Lillian little anecdotes. I mean, well, <laughs> guiding light anecdotes. <laughs> so what has the last year been like for you? I've never been so busy. Um, I mean, I was in such shock 
I, I, you know, everyone knew, or we'd heard rumors, but I always thought I would not only grow old on the show, I thought I would probably be a great, great, great grandmother and die on the set. Oh, wow. I mean, that's how I pictured my life ending, and it was, it was the perfect ending to me. So when I found out, I remember just being devastated and, and being replaced by a game show, you know? I mean, that was pretty rough, too. Is there maybe a bit of irony that the show that Guiding Light has been replaced by really isn't doing much better in the ratings than what Guiding Light was doing? Well, the, the difference, Dan, is that they don't cost anything and of we course. cost money. So it doesn't matter to CBS whether or not their show does well. It mattered because we were expensive. Um, it makes you feel better, sure, because I think the time slot we were in was terrible, certainly in the East, you know, the yeah. 10 o'clock in the morning time slot. You know, when we were on at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there was a phase there where I remember we were number one years in 1983 when Bradley was being so awful to my daughter and Lou Jack was, uh, no, before Lou Jack, it was Philip and Beth and Mindy and Rick. And, you know, it was just a wonderful time on the show. But we were on at 3 in the afternoon so people could watch it. Yeah, it, it was really difficult to try to convince yourself at, at 10 o'clock in the morning, in many cases, to sort of tune in. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'd be, I mean, I'd be too busy. I'd be doing errands or making the beds or something, and I wouldn't remember if I had a day off to watch it, even if it was something I wanted to see, because it just was a very inconvenient time, I think. But as, as an actress, you did actually tune in and watch the show. Of course. But, I mean, my point being I didn't watch it. I'd, I'd say to myself, I'd even write a note in the book, good scene today or interesting scene, or, you know, be it with a Reva scene or a, a, a Beth scene or Alan Spaulding scene that I'd want to watch. You know, I'd seen it on, I had seen them taping it, and right. it had been a great scene, and I always was interested to see how it looked on air because sometimes you'd do a scene, and we'd all feel this way. We just had done the best work, and then you were just left there sort of when you saw it on air. It didn't work as well, and sometimes the scene you didn't like looked great on camera. I remember one time I did a scene with Kim Zimmer, and she was so brilliant that I forgot my lines. And she looked at me, she said, what are you doing? I said, you're just so good. I forgot my <laughs> line, um, and, you know, which, of course, made her happy, and she didn't mind at all. But, you know, you, you sometimes be working with people, and, and with Beth Chamberlain, certainly, right. um, who, you know, I mean, we'd look at each other and we'd start to cry. The last day we worked together, we could not look at each other or we Aww. couldn't. Because we weren't supposed to know we were going, you know, the show. On the show, it was all supposed to be about Philip living after the transplant from um, Alan. So Beth and I were, would look, we'd say our lines looking the other way because every time we'd look at each other, we'd start sobbing. I can't imagine being able or having to say goodbye to something like that from the other side of the camera as well. Well, yeah, I mean, it's such a family, isn't it? To, to the fans. Oh, the letters about that they watched it with their grandmother and their mother and their daughters and now they don't have that wonderful thing in common and you know i think the most important thing about it is and this says something about our country to me and it upsets me a bit is that um it was a place where you could talk to your children about what was going on on the show and therefore get some answers that maybe you couldn't just bring up at the dining room table mm. Yeah. But you could say, well, how do you feel about what, you know, she's doing with him when they're not married to each other? Or, you know, how do you feel about that? And, and you, it brought up topics that you might not be able to bring up with such ease. And it was a tie to people, to their families. 
I didn't actually really think about the aspect of being able to bring up topics that may otherwise not have wandered into general conversation. Well, let's just use the Bradley raping Beth conversation, okay? Sure. I mean, I got a letter from a woman, a fan, who said that she nearly took her own life because she was being abused by members of her family. And by watching Beth and Lillian work it out, she decided to live. And now she has a child, and, you know, she has a life. And I, I think of her a great deal. I mean, I, we email each other. I just thought that that story, that we could affect people like that. You, you know, and if a mother had some thought about something going on with her, I mean, it's such a nightmare thought, but it does happen. It could come up then, you know, when they see that on television. Just like um, if, you're drink, if you're seeing some drinking with the a parent is drinking, and it comes up on a television show, then then you can discuss it, you know? Yeah, I, and I found that not just from the soap aspect, but certainly uh, having covered all of the different soaps for, for 15 years, there's always something that I think touches people uh, and gets them to maybe re-explore or to, to find something in themselves that they didn't know about. And I found from reading... Changing Shoes, a uh, little bit of a segue here, which at Thank first you. I thought would be something that I wouldn't be able to maybe get anything out of since mm-hmm. I'm a male. Mm-hmm. But I was completely men wrong about that. Yeah, men, have, men have liked it <laughs> so much it stuns me. Style, humor, and grace. Three very small words. Which of those three do you think is the hardest to maintain? Mm, that's a very interesting question because they all have different moments when it's hard to keep your sense of humor. It's hard to look stylish when you're. <laughs> you should see me right now in my khakis and my little blue green sweater and, and a pair of you know knock around um, sandals. You know I'm not looking terribly stylish. I'm not either. It's not quite the same outfit, but don't don't worry. <laughs> you know on the show it was very easy because they did your hair and makeup, and even in your scrubs you looked good because your hair and makeup was done every day. You know, and here you just don't do that. You don't get around to it. Well, let's try maybe another question that is I have a feeling probably going to be maybe just as difficult, but it was something that came up from reading the book. What do you think is the biggest misconception that men have? when it comes to uh, women getting older? I don't think they recognize the invisibility that women feel when they walk down the street, that all of a sudden they're simply not seen. They can be sitting at a dinner party and the men are talking over them as though they're not even there. Or I used this on, on, on a YouTube once where I said I used to pull into the garage and they jumped out of the cars to help me with my, you know, my gas tank and wipe my windshields, and now I have to do everything myself. Um, you know, if I, if I go to someone and say, I don't know how to do this or something, there's no, they're not running over to show me. Hmm. Um, so there is an invisibility that occurs as you get older that I don't think happens to men, or if it does, it doesn't matter as much. But women are used to being young and, you know, full of adorableness. They walk down the street, and they don't even notice it. But, you know, if you walk down the street, I use this in the book, you still want them, the, the, you know, the construction guys to say, hey. And I, I think I mentioned one friend of mine, she walked by and they went, oh, an oldie, but a goodie. <laughs> I remember reading that. <laughs> you know, and it's true. You, you want to be a goodie still. And um, I think, I mean, the book is full, I think, of very funny stories like that. But there's also a story in there where I was, um, I had gone out, 
all just sort of messed up. I had I was going to the gym and I had on my sweats and I hadn't washed my hair and I had no makeup on and I saw the man who got away, you know, the one I'd loved when I was young. Mm-hmm. And I remember he, I saw him, and I went running into a delicatessen. I remember hiding behind the cantaloupe, thinking he won't see me, and he did. And he came in, he went, Tina, is that you? And I went, uh, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I'd gained a bunch of weight because I was dealing with my aging parents and my son in Iraq. And um, I remember just wanting to put the cantaloupe on his head and just smashing it on him because I didn't want him to see me like this. <laughs> and I knew he was going to walk out and call his wife and go, oh, thank heaven I married you. <laughs> um so again, that's not that's not exactly invisibility, but in a way it is because you used to be able to go out with no makeup and your hair in a ponytail and you were fine. Now you really can't go out like that. Now you have to put a little makeup on and you have to just make your you know pull yourself together a bit. I wish I had a mirror here now. I feel like maybe I should spruce <laughs> myself up for the interview. <laughs> One of the things that uh, spoke to me in reading the book. Uh, was that your mother disapproved of you wanting to be an actress. <laughs> yes, she certainly did. Did she, she ever... Gay class A, as she put it. Yes, that was... Uh, I don't know that my parents would use that, but that's... Uh, it, it hit me. Mm-hmm. But did she ever relent, do you think, in her opposition? I don't think so. Um, at the end of her life, she was so senile that she, you know, didn't know who I was, really. Um but I don't think she ever relented. I mean, it, to her, it wasn't important. She wanted me to have, you know, lots of children and some golden retrievers or something and um, live the life that she thought would make me happiest because it had made her happy. And she didn't want me working hard and, um, you know, prob- I think because she loved me, she probably didn't want me to fail. I remember her saying, Tina, you know, there are things you can do and get paid. <laughs> and, um, you know, she, I think she wanted what was best for me. So... It scared her. I think that's probably more what it was, although she was a little bit of a snob and thought, oh, how can my daughter be an actress? You know, she should be, she should marry some wealthy woman, man, and um, poor woman these days with Venice. She should marry some wealthy man and, you know, go on airplanes and have trips. And I think that's what she wanted for me. Mentioning your mother, that... Mm -hmm. Unwittingly, when I was looking at the website and, and started with the book, and there are these cute little sketches of different shoes that are going to apply to different chapters, I thought, oh, wow, I can't wait to get to the cute bunny slipper chapter. I'm sure that's going to be fuzzy <laughs> and warm and great. That's the chapter in the book. <laughs> and it really, it, it was a very moving chapter for me. Mm-hmm. And I'd imagine, and, and reading it, was it painful or was it sort of healing to go back and revisit that time in your life? It's still painful. Um, I still, in my play, Changing Shoes, that I'm doing, you know, around the country, um, there are scenes with my mother and father, and I, it, it, every time I do them, I, get, I feel that pain. I mean, it, I don't think anybody ever escapes it totally. I don't think the book was a catharsis or a way to heal myself at all. I think it was just... Um, this is why I wrote the book, Don. I wrote it because I knew all these people after me wouldn't, I didn't have any idea how to take care of my older parents. And nobody had lived to be 90 in my parents' generation. They hadn't projected that they would live this old and they had, therefore weren't ready for it. They didn't know what to do. They didn't, hadn't saved the money they should have saved. They hadn't uh, moved into a place, they, they were still living in a house, you know, and they, they weren't preparing. So I wrote this book. That's how I started. 
was for people like you, people who were younger, to talk to their parents who were probably in their 60s or so and say, hey, have you gotten a power of attorney? Do you have a living will? Um, you know, do you have, I mean, have you thought about all of these things, which I list in the book and which I think are really, really important for people to think about and read about and to act on. And it's the boring part. As I, I said in the book, you know, you have to call and go see a lawyer and you listen to that yeah. yicky music when you're in the office and you're sitting there for hours on a chair looking at old magazines, but you've got to do these things. And then we, you feel good and you can live again. We have a caller. We have David from Washington, D.C., who has called in and wants to chat with you for a minute. David, sure. you're on Soap Central Live with me, Dan Kroll, and our guest, Tina Sloan. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Fine. I, I just want to say I really enjoyed when you played on Guiding Light. I thought your character was really good. I remember watching you in the 80s, and I thought your storyline on, on domestic violence was very telling, and it was very ahead of its time, so thank you very much for that. Yeah, I think that really did affect people very, very much, David. Um, there was There's so much more domestic violence than we realized. Uh, Beth, the girl who played Beth at the time, Judy Evans, and I went to... Um, where women were, women's shelters from domestic violence, and we found that it had affected the very, very poor, but it also affected the very, very wealthy. It was interesting that it wasn't sort of the middle class very much who were affected by this, but, you know, the, 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 the ends of the spectrum were the, one, the girls who had been violated or the boys who had been violated. Are you still there, David? Yes, I am. Do you have anything else that you'd like to ask Tina while you're on? No, no, thank you. Have a good day. Perfect. Thank Thanks, you, David. David. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Something that I think we've, we've towed around uh, so far is that Changing Shoes actually has a lot of advice without it being sort of preachy. It, to me, it was sort of a, hey, everybody, I've gone through some stuff. Let me share my experiences so that you have some, some guidance in your, in your travels when you're walking in your own shoes. Is that... Was that your intention for the book? Well, I, what I wanted to do was to tell funny stories that would sort of show people what happens, you know, like walking down the street with Beth and everybody's looking at her and no one's looking at me realizing I'm invisible, for <laughs> instance. Or, um, you know, my mother, when she's senile not knowing who I am and telling, making it humorous that she thinks she's singing the Star Spangled Banner in front of um, the Yankee Stadium, you know, and how I used to in the beginning say, Mom, you did not. But then I realized that it just made her unhappy. So I'd say, oh, yes, Mom, you were terrific. And it made everybody happy. So there was a lot I learned by doing this, um, by writing it. And I think, I think I tried to put all of it into funny stories. I mean, I didn't, mm -hmm. don't think I took myself seriously. I used Lillian when she first kissed Buzz. Um, right. And in reality, all the words went out of my head. I literally forgot what my lines were, because Lillian had never been kissed. Tina remembered the lines, but they wouldn't come out of Lillian's mouth. <laughs> she said, oh, my, oh, my. That's all she could say. In the very beginning of Changing Shoes, when you, we'll get to talking about the Chanel pumps in a second, uh, it, it seemed to me that your trip to Paris was really what sort of opened up your eyes to uh, deciding what it was that you wanted to do, in this case, uh, being an actress, if you hadn't gone to Paris, how do you think your life would have been different? Well, I think you're right. I think that woman that I met in Paris, my mother's friend, Aga, and in the play I have my mother say, 
I sent you to Aga because I knew she would help you find yourself. In life, she didn't say that, but it's what I wish she'd said to me. But Aga gave me permission to, to, to follow my dreams. Um, I think in the 60s when I was growing up, or the 70s, there was no, well, there wasn't permission. It, it, it began in the late 60s, but I was already by then grown up, you know. I mean, I, I, I was formed pretty much. But Aga, this woman in Paris who Mother sent me to, just told me, you know, to follow your feet. That's, that, follow your shoes. That way your feet will know where to take you. And I think there's truth in this. You really know deep inside yourself what you should do, what steps you should take, you know, one foot in front of the other, and how your, your soul knows when it sees something beautiful what it should do. And this, this woman said to me, follow that. Listen to that instinct inside you. And, I mean, that's what I want to tell people in this book and I think I do this in different stories, is hear yourself. Hear what, what it is you want to do, whether it's to be a chef, whether it's to be a piano player, whether it's to have, be a mommy of 20 kids or a grandmommy of 100 kids or a bicyclist, whatever it is that really, really speaks to you, that you have to do it in some form. It may not, you may not be able to make a career of it, but you can certainly um, follow it to some, in, some, in some form. Even if listening to that voice that tells you to put one foot in front of the other uh, ends up having you climb up Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> yes, but it gave me myself back by doing that, right? I mean, I, I got to the top. <laughs> I was waiting for, because you, you tell the stories with a bit of humor and, and there's, there's... I hope a lot of humor. <laughs> and I thought, okay, where is she going? There's, there's got to be a metaphor in here. And I found out you really, literally climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Right, right, I did, I did, and I did it in a pink parka, just like I did in the, you know, I remember meeting the group of um, hikers and seeing them in brown and thinking, uh-oh, I'm in big trouble here in my little pink parka. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in the end, you know, some of them didn't get to the top, and I did, um, which says something about putting one foot in front of the other, and that's the whole crux of life, I think, is just constantly putting one foot out there, you know, just, I always use that Michael Jordan quote, just do it, you know, the Nike ad. Yeah. You just have to do it. And if for some reason you trip and fall? Well, I think you just have to, I mean, I know this is so cliche to say you get back up again. I mean, I fall down and I just sit there sometimes for a year um, and just look at myself, you know, and I don't move. I mean, like when Guiding Light went off, my instinct was just to stay there. And not to move. I mean, just not to do anything, just to sit and, and cry for a year. Um, but fortunately, I'd already begun the book and the play. So I had something where, that I could go to. A lot of my friends didn't have anything to go to right away. And I think it was a much harder change for them. I mean, I, you know, I still, I, I miss it. I miss going into the studio and... You know, and and seeing everybody as you're sitting. I talk about this in the in the book. Seeing everyone, you know, and chatting at the makeup, and when you're getting your hair done, I just miss the makeup guys. They were so fun, and the hair people. You know, they were just wonderful to be with. And you go down and see the camera crew, and they all had funny little things, and they'd show you their kids' pictures, and you just sort of knew their families for 26 years, some of them, yeah. as well as you knew your own, or if not better, sometimes because you were with them all the time. Well. Even though you, you've mentioned that you may have taken the year to sort of get back up and figure it out, now that you're up, you're not well, I didn't take still. it. I, went, I literally went right to being up. You have, 
I'm looking here. You're going to be going all across the country mm-hmm. in the next couple of months, uh, mm-hmm. Georgia, California, here in Pennsylvania, Texas, for your one-woman you show. I'm sorry? Are you in Pittsburgh? No, I'm in Philadelphia. I'm on oh, the other side. Uh-huh. But with your, your one-woman show and some mm-hmm. book signings, and the next uh, show that you're doing in New York is actually sold out. So if folks want to go, they need to hurry up and get their tickets because apparently it's... Well, it's, it's sold out. and there, You can't get any tickets. It's really... It's beyond sold out right wow. now. There's a waiting line, you know, a wait list that's pretty long. But for all of the other shows, they better not sit and think about it because it's, it's the show to go to, it seems. Well, it's, yeah, I'd love them. To, I mean, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and Houston are the three other places I'm doing it, and I'm doing those all in October. Um, no, it's sold out. It's a huge theater, and, but it's a really good play. I mean, it's really funny, and, um, <laughs> it, and it has lots of guiding light clips in it, lots of movies over the last 26 years or, that you see of guiding light that are terrific. So if you're a guiding light fan, I mean, you really, really want to come to this. Um, I, I, you know, it's 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 keeping me very busy. I want to make getting sure. Old this way, or maybe I'm getting too old. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure before we, because uh, I can't believe it, but we only have about three minutes left. I want to make sure that people know how to get the book and how to find out about your show. So obviously, they can head over to the website changingshoes.com. Com, right. But and the book is available. It came out yesterday in bookstores, and it did really well. I mean, all the. Guiding Light fans, I'm sure, were the ones who went out to went on Amazon.com or Barnes and Nobles or Borders and bought it. Or uh, what I want people to do is go into their bookstores and buy it. But in Pittsburgh, it's October 11th. I'm doing the play. It's a Monday night. On October 18th, I'm in Cincinnati. It's a Monday night. And on October 25th, I'm in um, Houston. It's a Monday night. And all of this is on ChangingShoes.com. And for folks, if they are so inclined, they can also, I'm sure. Uh, buy the book at their favorite online retailer if they need to. Absolutely. I mean, I'd love, I love indie bookstores, too. Well, I want to thank you. I, I can't believe that thank we're you. out well, of time. I did babble a lot. Thank you for letting me. No, it, it wasn't babbling. A, it was interesting, and, and B, uh, we didn't take the commercial break because I wanted to make sure that we had enough time to, to chat with you. But in the minute or so that we have left, would you like to maybe uh, address anything to your fans out there who are listening? Oh, I just love them all. I mean, I really, really, really am so grateful for watching us all those years on Guiding Light. And, I mean, I do think this book is a tribute to Guiding Light. I mean, it's my love story of Guiding Light, in, in a sense, because that's where I grew up and I, it's where I grew old. And um, so I hope they'll enjoy it, and it, it'll be a tie back to it. Well, okay. thank you, Tina. Again, thank Changing you, Shoes is in bookstores. You can also buy it online if you need to. Uh, go to changingshoes.com for more information, and we'll be back with more of Soap Central Live after this break. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, so fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? 
For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Wielding power, shaping environments and outcomes, and making things happen are all essential characteristics of great leaders. Yet these qualities alone are not enough to ensure your success. In a complex world, how do you decide what's most important to you? In your career, your relationships, your finances, your family, in the world around you, in the whole of your life at large. Dr. Joseph Riggio, the host of Leadership Intuition, says that personal leadership, the desire to take charge of your life, is the key to creating futures that work and building a life worth living. Join Joseph as he reveals the power of uncovering and living your own personal mythology, the key to personal transformation, exquisite performance, and social influence. Learn to look inside and discover your personal mythology and unique leadership style. Go beyond conventional advice and discover your unique success blueprint on Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio each Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership Intuitions, power, achievement, relationships. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. And now, for the next 30 minutes... As the world turns. Brought to you today by Tide XK, the detergent for your really tough cleaning problems. Welcome back to Soap Central Live, everybody. For millions of soap fans, today was a day where tears were shed. How do you say goodbye to something that's been a part of your life, in many cases, for more than 50 years? It's a question for which I'm not entirely sure that I have an easy answer. For those of you who don't know, earlier today, As the World Turns, aired its final episode. It's an end of an era in many regards, because for the first time in 77 years, Procter & Gamble, the company that pioneered the soap opera genre, no longer has a soap opera in production. In just the past year, two programs with a combined 126 years of broadcast history went off the air. I'm joined in this half hour by two of As the World Turns' biggest fans, fans who turned their passion for the show into a job as Two Scoops columnist for SoapCentral.com. Reggie Jackson, who's been a guest on the show before, I believe, uh, but we're also joined for the first time by Jennifer Biller. And Jennifer, I'm really sorry that your first appearance on the show had to be under these circumstances. So to both of you, welcome. Thank you, Dan. I'm, I'm you, sorry, Dan. too. <laughs> so let me start off. Uh, did both of you have the opportunity? We'll, we'll start with Jennifer since you're... Uh, ladies first. Okay. Did you have the opportunity to see today's final episode? I did, and I will try my best not to weep hysterically as we talk about the end of the show. 
And Reggie, have you been able to watch the final episode? Yes, I decided to watch it live today. So, yeah, I did. I was able to sit there with my box of Kleenex and watch it as well. Okay, so you'll, you'll fess up that you, you needed the Kleenex as well. Yeah, it was pretty sad. You know, I, I didn't really know how it would affect me. Uh, I watched it. I, I made a point of, of watching it live. And, you know, it, it moved me, too, even as someone who came to watch As the World Turns later. It still spoke to me, and it still it still had something for me. Uh, I think so it had something for everyone. I, I was I was really taken aback by how beautifully written it was, start to finish, and I was thrilled that it included the entire cast. Um, and telling it in Bob's voice from his point of view made it even more touching because it was symbolic to what we as viewers were feeling as we had to say goodbye to everyone too. And I just I loved how they cut the episode to show all the characters going about their daily routines like it was just another day in Oakdale, you know, despite the fact that we all know it, it wasn't just another day. And that ending was so powerful when Bob turned off the lights, said goodnight, and that spinning lighted globe. I was in tears, Dan. Shocker. I know, but there it is. Uh, yeah, the, the spinning globe got me, too. I, and that <laughs> globe lit up, and it just, and, and he said goodnight and turned off the light. I was like, I can't believe this is the end. You it know? was beautiful, wasn't it? It was yeah, so it was well done. Let's did a really go good back. job today. Let's go back a little bit further. I, I think Reggie shared this, but Jennifer, what is your very first memory of watching As the World Turns? My very first memory is being with my grandmother, and I think when I applied for the job at Soap Central, I may have written this in my letter to you. I was 10 years old, and she was babysitting for me, and I probably should not have been watching uh, you know, daytime dramas at 10 years old, but there it was. And it was Mr. Big and Tom and Margot, and they were on this uh, I guess, on the run, and there was this castle, and it was so compelling to me. They they ended up in this castle trying to solve these literary puzzles to save their <laughs> lives. I was riveted, and it was so exciting. I didn't even know what Moby Dick was at that age, but I immediately was trying to get my hands on a copy of it. That was my first memory. And then Barbara and James and Gunner and Dusty and Lily, those all are sort of you know in my head all together at the very beginning. I want to uh, take a quick interruption here and I want to let fans know that we're also wanting them to call in and share with us their favorite memories of As the World Turns, maybe their first memory, certainly what they think now that the show has come to an end. So if you would like to call in, you can do so. It's toll free, 866-472-5788. And if you are phone shy, you can certainly tweet us on Twitter, of course, and you can tweet at Soap Central Live, and we'll make sure to uh, maybe read your thoughts if you have any questions, all of that good stuff, so you can be a part of the show in any way that you'd like. So let's turn it back over to Reggie to give you a chance. What would you say would go down as your favorite memory from As the World Turns of all time? I think it had to be the reveal of Doug Cummings as the stalker for Kim. That was my all-time favorite moment of the show. When that was revealed, it was like, you know, you waited all this time to find out who this person was, and you had no idea it was Doug Cummings, this guy who was dating uh, uh, the daughter at the time. And when that was revealed, it was like, wow, what a shocker. And you don't get shockers like that in daytime anymore. So, <laughs> Yeah, the age of spoilers. <laughs> yeah, the age of spoilers, right. Well, do you think that that in any way has brought about, uh, we'll say, the decline of soaps, the fact that, there are so many spoilers out there in abundance? 
I think so. I think so because people know so much ahead of time. I mean, I find myself reading magazines and watch and going on Soap Central to find out things immediately as soon as the news is out. You know, so uh, I think it kind of it can be. You know, some people don't want to know. Some people hate to know. You know what's coming up. Like something happened today on Young and the Wrestlers, and a lot of people didn't know. And, you know, they're going to see it for the first time when they see the show today if they taped it. So I think it absolutely has had an effect because I remember as a child, and do you remember the summer that someone shot Jr.? I mean, everyone was riveted. You, you had no idea who the shooter was. Right. And I try to avoid spoilers, as you guys know, as I've written that in my column several times. And it's very difficult to do even, you know, when I make it a point to try to do it. And I try to be surprised because I think it's so much better watching it with fresh eyes. And I think that has, you know, if I can pick up a magazine and read what's going to happen, why do I need to bother to watch it, I think is a mentality of some people, or I'll just read the recap on Soap Central. Right. Yeah. Jennifer, you mentioned that you've been writing the Two Scoops column for, it's about ten years, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> eight years, actually, Dan. Okay. It, I think uh, 2002, 2001, maybe eight or nine years, yeah. And, and Reggie, how long have you been aboard? About the same amount, maybe a little bit, uh, about the same amount of time, I think. It so might now, be. I, mean, I can't really remember exactly exactly when I started. I was trying to figure that out the other day. <laughs> I started in 2001, I think, and you were already on board. So. Oh, was I? Okay, so it was longer than that. Okay. Yeah. Wow, I don't know if I should be offended that you, <laughs> that you don't know quite what it is. Or I've, it's, I've enjoyed it so much yeah. that I, I can't remember how long it's been because it's been so much fun to be able to do this. Well, let me try a different angle. I'm going to turn this one to Jennifer because I know that uh, some of the recent feedback that she's gotten for her column, I've also uh, received as well. But what has been, in the eight years or so that you've been aboard, what's been the column or what's been the storyline that you think has generated the most reader response? Oh, no question. <laughs> no question here. Uh, it has been Luke and Noah and Luke and Reed. I have had so much email. Um, I wrote a column, I, gosh, it's probably been a couple years ago, where I did not come out wholeheartedly for Luke and Noah, and I received so much nasty email, you know, saying why I wasn't supporting the couple. And it wasn't because it was a gay storyline. I just, I thought, you know, they started out really well, but then the writing, I think, really took a took a dive in terms of, of their relationship. And especially Luke's character, for me, I found from time to time was wishy-washy because I, I felt like all they were writing was his character is gay, and that's a storyline. And... I think when you have someone like Reed Oliver who comes in and he's this dynamic character and, oh, yeah, by the way, he's gay, the storyline works so much better because it's, you know, you've got something else to watch about this person and it's compelling. That's actually, we have uh, some folks who are tweeting in while you were chatting and it seems that for a lot of people, the Noah and Luke kiss was one of their most memorable memories from As the World Turns in, in recent history. Well, that certainly makes sense. I mean, we've not seen something like that on daytime. We've, we've starting, we're starting to see it in prime time more and more, but, uh, you know, it was an historic moment. There's no question. And like I said, I did receive so much mail. I mean, people were excited that you're seeing this on daytime. Some people were obviously appalled, and I know you got the mail also. Um, a lot of hate mail. It, it, it really ran the gamut. I mean, I, I think I opened my email one day, and there was like 150 messages. It was crazy just within like two hours. Well, Reggie probably thinks that he's going to get off the hook because only have about four minutes break. But he's wrong. And I want to ask, has there been anything that you wrote uh, for the Two Scoops column that you were really surprised by the reaction of readers? It probably had to be 
probably my views on Janet uh, Jaconi because mm-hmm. whenever I talked about how much screen time she got, there were people who came back to me and said, I love Janet, but I just kind of felt like in these last months, why should the show be devoted to a character who hasn't been there that long? And most recently, the Janet Jaconi thing is where people have been saying, you know what, people who like her have been sending me these long emails telling me, I love Janet. What are you talking about? But then there's other people who have seen the show, watched the show for many years who said, you know what, I agree with you. You know, why is she taking up so much screen time? Huh. And, well, in fairness, uh, Julie Pinson did win an Emmy, but yes. granted for last year, but for her portrayal of Janet on As the World Turns. So have you changed your opinion now that the well, show is I, over? I love the actress. I just didn't like, I didn't like the fact that they were spending so much time on this new character. You know, and then I read something that the head writer wrote recently about how she really liked the character of Janet because she was uh, a young Italian girl like herself. You know, so <laughs> she she made a point of making sure we knew that Janet was one of her pet characters, and that's why she spent so much time on her. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. See what happens when you don't read. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back from the break. Here are some of the things that we're going to be talking about, in addition to taking your calls if you're so inclined. We're going to muse about where the Oakdale residents are now and where they'll be in a year now that the show has ended. We'll address a SoapCentral.com urban legend regarding As the World Turns and maybe a few other things, including the discussion that Martha Byrne could have returned to As the World Turns if she had been asked. So we'll talk about that stuff in just a couple of seconds after this break. Stay tuned. Voice counts. Call toll free 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, so fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. 
The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want to dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at SoapCentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and we are trying to smush 54 years of As the World Turns Memories into just about 30 minutes of show, and that is in no way designed as a slight to the show. It's just, uh, I wanted to make sure that we had some time to talk about the show today since this is the final episode airing earlier today. I'm joined by Jennifer Biller and Reggie Jackson, Two Scoops columnists for SoapCentral.com. And I want to pose, we'll start with Jennifer, a year from now, or even now that the show has technically ended for everybody, where do you think some of these characters are going to be going in their lives? Just sort of a what-if scenario. Wow, that is an interesting question. Well, Henry's probably headed to AA if he's going to be the new owner of Metro. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, I don't know. I guess uh, I guess uh, Margot and Tom are probably going to be enjoying their, their child-free house and all the drama that is not going to be there with Casey. Uh, Bob and Kim will put them on, on a cruise. I hope Lucinda and John get married. I love them together. What a breath of fresh air he has been in his return. Um, I, I don't know. I want to write happily ever after endings for all of them, and I think that there was so much coupling going on at the ending of this, and I think they were trying to give us all a nice, tidy package. Um, but I also I like to think that, you know, everyone doesn't end up together. This is real life. And I, I kind of would have liked to have seen Chris and Katie, you know, not set to get married. I would have liked to have seen that relationship um, progress a little more, and I know we don't have time for that, but... You know, I like the fact that Lily and Lucinda did not reconcile and everything isn't all warm and fuzzy. I mean, there's a hint of a future reconciliation, but I don't like everything to be tied up nice and neat because, you know, that's not real life. Well, let me ask, I'll put that to Reggie before we take a, we have a caller. Does it bother you that sort of everything had mostly a happy ending or is that the way that you would have wanted it to be? I'm glad they tied up some things, but it was just one glaring omission they made today uh, in the last weeks, and that was Lisa. They left her out completely in terms of what to do with her character moving forward. She didn't do anything. She had nothing to, you know, to show where she would be going in the future, and they did it for everyone else except her. And I thought her, ro- her role in the show has been fantastic, as much as Dr. Bob. We yeah, have I would a- agree. Well, let's, let's go before we... Um run short on time. I want to take a call from Clark from Florida. Clark, you're on Soap Central Live. Yeah, well, Reggie stole my thunder there. That, that was the <laughs> only thing I was disappointed in was that they didn't do more for Lisa, who basically for years, I mean, I've watched this back into the 60s, that show was wrapped around for Lisa, for Lisa for years. And that I was disappointed in. What it was did glaring, you, yeah. That was a glaring omission that they made. Right. It was like, what did she do to somebody there to take them off that bad and to do that to her? Outside of that, what did you think of the last episode, Clark? I, I was pleased with it. 
Any Kleenex? Uh, again, I, I go back watching that into the 60s. Um, I wasn't surprised when they canceled it because, in my opinion, the writing had really gone down. Um, but other than that, yeah, the way they ended it, I, I was very, I was pleased. And uh, overall, maybe what is one of your favorite memories of As the World Turns? Oh, brother, probably, oh, back in the 80s, um, the Carolyn Crawford murder. Ah. Wow. Wow, yeah. That, that still always stood out in my mind. And that, that, at that time, to me, that was writing at its finest. But Douglas Marland, I think, was still writing then. I want to thank you for calling in, Clark, and being part One of our... One other question. What, and I, if, if they said it and I didn't hear about it, where is um, or was Emma Snyder? Oh, I don't know that they mentioned it. No, I think she left. She left. uh, She left when uh, when her daughter left. When Meg left, and and, and they didn't show her since then. Uh, Yeah, that's why I said I hadn't seen her for a while, and I was hoping at least that at least show up at Jack and Carly's wedding or something. Yeah, I agree. She should have been there. Absolutely. I thought she should have been there too. Well, thank you for calling in, Clark. I appreciate Uh, your support. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. One of the other things, uh, guys, that had come up in the revisited in the days leading up to As the World Turns and was that Noel Beck offered to step aside as Lily Snyder to allow Martha Byrne to return after it was announced that As the World Turns would be canceled. And apparently someone uh, of the higher-ups decided that that wasn't going to happen. Uh, do you think that there was anything taken away by not having someone who fans so associated with the role of Lily not come back, even if it was just for a quick cameo? Which, do you I'll want me to talk? With, <laughs> I'll start with you, Jennifer. We'll, we'll keep with our ladies first. Okay, one. absolutely. And I think I have received so much email about this, and I'm sure Reggie has too. I have. And it's nothing against Noelle Beck, who has done a really great job in the role. It's just you, when someone, we watched Lily grow up on camera, and we watched this love story for 20 years. I mean, it really did take away that this is the end of the show and that chemistry that Martha and John had. It, it, to, to not have her back in that role, I, I really think it just sort of, um, it really took the wind out of the sails for the, the Lily and Holden love story because I, at the end, you know, they're, you know, I was actually rooting for Molly, which is crazy. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, when Molly came back, I was rooting for her too. Yeah, and I think if Martha had been in the role, I don't know that I would have been. And it's nothing against Noel. It's just, you know, there's all that history there. It's like your parents getting divorced or something. You know what I'm saying? But, Reggie, it it must be – it seemed to me like such a huge gesture for someone to say, you know what, I understand that fans want to see Martha back. For an actress to say that really has a a special meaning and a feeling, I think. Oh, for, yeah, for sure, because, uh, you know, like Jennifer said about, uh, you know, Martha Byrne being there for such a long time, to see her with Holden for this last couple of shows anyway, especially when they did a lot of the reminiscing, would have been absolutely perfect and definitely another one of those heart-tugging moments that we needed at this, at, you know, at the part where it's ending now. And that, can I just mention, that scene on Thursday with John Hensley, wow. I do not think I have ever seen Holden cry like that. What a performance he gave. But as great as that was, it makes me a little angry that for years the show did not give him anything more to do than fix his tractor and feed the horses. <laughs> uh, honestly, what a talent. Yeah, he did, he did an excellent job. I was, I've been praising him so much lately in his performances. He's been doing a great job. 
I'm anxious to see what some of these people are going to land after this is all over. Yeah, I'm interested too. In fact, I'm I'm trying to get back into the Young and the Restless because we know that uh, Mara West and Paul Layden are both headed there. So, as they put across the screen today on the show when it was on. <laughs> <laughs> We only have, if you can believe it, about a minute and a half. So no, we're, we're having so much fun. Oh, I'm going to divide that up between the two of you uh, to sum up your entire viewing experience in about 45 seconds, Jennifer. So uh, have at it. Wow. Um, I just have to say to me, the show has been about family. I started watching it with my grandmother. It became a tradition. We talked about storylines. When I got this job, she was so excited for me. And it really has been a metaphor for life. I mean, these people are our friends, they're our family, and the fact that they're gone, it just it makes me very sad. And Reggie? I, just, I really want to be a part of the Hughes family. When I watch Nancy Hughes pour coffee and they sit around the table and they talk, it was just such a, that family feeling all the time, and I just loved it all the time. And it's just something about that show, even when the Hugheses were not the focal point, they still were there. But I just, it was just a sense of family all the time with the show. And it was really conveyed, especially in the last couple of weeks. And we're going to unfortunately have to leave it at that for now. I'd like to thank Tina Sloan for dropping by today. Her book, Changing Shoes, is available online at your favorite bookseller, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Borders. There's also an e-book and a Kindle edition if you're a high-tech reader out there. Her one-woman show, also titled Changing Shoes, is currently making its way across the country to find out where she's headed next please head on over to her website, changingshoes.com. And, of course, to Reggie and Jennifer, to spending time this last half hour sharing memories of As the World Turns. There is more than six years' worth of wonderful musings from the two of them on As the World Turns over in our Two Scoops archive. To read more from them, you can head over to soapcentral.com slash ATWT and select Two Scoops from the Scoop menu option in the blue navigation bar. And if you'll forgive me for plagiarizing, I don't think there should be goodbyes, just good night. So good night, everybody. Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.